Okay. Today's message is going to be short. I've entitled it Letters to My Younger Self. There's a bit of a trend out there if you read magazines and if you're reading on the internet, etc., and talking to other people to take a piece of time and stop and think what would I like to have said to my younger self 20 years ago about the journey of life, about the journey of faith? What would I like to have said to remind myself? So today, um, there's even a, a, a um, song out there by Mercy Me. It's called Dear Younger Me. Some of you may have heard it. It's a pretty cool song, and it's somebody reflecting back on, them, on their journey of faith. Today, I want to direct what I've got to say. I've only got two things to say, and I want to say them to these two cool young people who are getting baptised today. And the focus is really on you. Um, two, le- two little pieces of advice. If the rest of you want to listen in to the advice, you're most welcome to as well. It's on two things. One, about the importance of being your authentic self, the way God made you to be. And the other is to learn to live in the in-betweens of life, of what we're hoping for and what we're believing for, but we're not yet there and seeing it. The in-betweens of life and the importance of how we manage and handle them. So on being your authentic self, the way God planned you to be, there's a quote by Martin Luther King I came across recently, and he said, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go and do it because the world needs more people who come alive. Now, those passages in Psalm 139, which we talk about many times about how wonderfully we've been made and how different we all are from one another, I read it in a new translation called the Passion Translation, and it says, You formed my most innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and you've woven them all together in my mother's womb. I thank God, for you have made me mysteriously complex. And then it goes on in that passage and it says, You saw who you created me to be before I became me. My husband would say that was very Irish. You saw who you created me to be before I even became me. And I want to say to Courtney and Daniel today that the greatest gift you could ever be to the world and to our church community is to be yourself to be exactly who God has made you to be. I read in a book recently about a man who had his um, daughter and husband and brand new baby coming to live with them for a short period of time when the baby was born, maybe up to, say, six months. And he wrote in his journal, I may have shared this before, he wrote in his journal the characteristics he observed in this little life that was so fresh and so new and just born. And he tucked it away and he was going to give it to the child when they turned 21 and say, this is what I observed when you were a young child. This is the way you looked at life. This is the way you approach things. Now, many of you will know our delightful little Fifi, Tim and Shelley's little girl, and she is just so full of life. I took her into a shop the other day, the one opposite, um, uh, oh, it's, a, it's a design shop. Um, and anyway, I took her in there, and obviously she doesn't go into shops a lot necessarily. She walked in the door of this design shop where there were lights and there were fittings and there was all sorts of exciting design stuff, and she stood there and she said, wow, this little tot. She just said, wow. 
And she was just amazed by what was going on. Fifi loves to connect with people. She'll look at your eyes. She'll focus in on you. The other day, I'm told, when I took, out, took her out to get some water, she waved to everybody as we went out to get this water for her. She's intrigued by people. She loves people. She connects with people. I want to see what that little life becomes as she goes on and when she's 21. We have a bit of a, a funny story to tell in our family. I was going to say it was 20 years ago, actually. It must have been 30. We're, it's just talking about how we're all made so differently. Our children have three parents. They have Peter and myself, and they also had the pleasure of having my sister live with us for 10 years. So she was the third um, person in the party. I remember this day when we were sitting around the table, and it was over a jolly spilt glass of milk. Okay, one of the kids, I thought it was Andre, but it wouldn't be because he didn't drink milk. It's probably Tim. We were sitting around the table, and in the midst of all this chaos of an evening meal, the milk got spilt, and it fell all over the place, everywhere it went. Well, there were three responses to that. Mine was, I thought I told you, you keep your glass of milk five centimetres from the edge every time you have a meal. Why on earth didn't you follow instructions? Peter at that stage was thinking there's a bit of tension here. He's the peacemaker. So he's putting on the mood music just to make sure that there's a bit of, you know, ambience in the background. And my lovely sister Bronnie, well, she's already cleaning up the milk. She's already wiping things up. She's patting poor Tim on the shoulders and telling him it doesn't really matter. The compassionate, caring Bronnie that she is and was. We all reacted differently because we're all unique and made differently and we all shine best when we're our authentic self. What I'd like to say to my younger self would be embrace and celebrate your uniqueness and I say that to you too today. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says we all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all, like mirrors, become brightly able to reflect the glory of Jesus. We need to look into who God is, and we need to be our true, authentic self as we read his word, as we enter into worship. We shouldn't be taking selfies and looking into a mirror of ourself. We shouldn't be looking into the mirror with other people and comparing ourselves. We should be being a reflector to the world around us of God's heart, his passion, and his thoughts through our uniqueness, through the God, the way God has made us to be. I read a definition of the difference between passion and purpose the other day. It was actually in a good magazine. And it said, passion is what gets you up in the morning. It's what fires you up for the day. And it was, it's what put, puts life in your very bones. But you know, we all know passionate people who are so passionate, they're firing here and firing there and they're doing activities all over the place, but there's nothing quite coordinated about it and they're just froth and bubble. The difference between passion and purpose is that purpose, God's purpose for our lives, is the filter or the lens through which we push our passions. We have a lens. God has made us unique to be a reflection to the world around him. And we take those passions that are in our heart and we put them through that filter of God's purpose. What happens when passion and purpose collide? 
What happens when they align themselves in our lives? This is one of my most famous quotes that I I absolutely love. It says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deepest gladness and the world's deepest hunger are met. When they collide together, what's deep in your heart that you want to do for God also meets the needs of the world around us. I look at you and you're just so colourful as a people. You've all got so many gifts, so many different gifts that God wants to use and is using to put through his purpose of making you a light to shine. My advice to my younger self and my advice to these two young people would be to learn quickly to connect your passions with the purpose of God. Learn quickly. So what happens to that little baby as she grows up before she's 21? Between that time when that little one was observed, what happens to my little Fifi who's so happy to wave to each one of you as a little two-year-old? What happens? Well, life happens, actually. Life happens. There are things that either we do ourselves that cause us harm or other things through no fault of our own come and come into our lives and distort some of those things. One of the traps for young players is to believe that if we have faith in God that our life will lead to nothing but success. We have to learn to live in the in-betweens of life. When what we're hoping for, what we're believing for, is actually still strongly in our hearts. It hasn't yet happened, but we've found a way to navigate ourselves through that tension. Learning to live in the in-betweens is the other um, little bit of advice I'd love to give to you too. You know, Esther is coming very shortly, and I've heard many, many messages on the Friday of Easter, and the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus has done. I've also attended many services and listened to many messages on the Sunday. But very few messages, in fact, I can think of one, and I know a number of you can in the audience today, by my son Andre on the Saturday, the in-between Friday and Sunday. How do we manage the Saturdays of our lives How do we manage it where we're in a transition and there's a tension between what we'd love to be and we're being transformed, but we're not there yet? How do we live in the Saturday of Easter? How do we navigate our way safely through? I love the conference we had here with Live Salted for the Women's Conference. I was taken immediately by the title of... um, what they actually, even when, even when in life this happens to me, I can still have a testimony of the greatness and the goodness of God. That caught my attention straight away. Now, I don't make, I'm not trying to make an apology, but there are many conferences, especially women's conferences, which to me just don't grab my heart about the real world in which we live. And at the end of that conference, on the last session, people shared all over the place their own stories of even when this happened to me. God was there in the midst. But you know, I actually heard a number of stories that actually were just even when, but they haven't yet found God in it. And I want to encourage you, if you've got an even when in your life, when tragedy, when disappointment, when all sorts of things have happened in your life, and you're not yet in that place of healing, this is the community of faith 
where we can find that, where we can share our hearts and actually grow and come to be all that God has intended for us to be. In the even winds of our lives, in that gap of the in-between, I read recently by Oswald Chambers, he said, Jesus reveals not an embarrassed God, not a confused God, not a God who stands aloof in the pain, the disappointment and tragedies of our lives, but a God who stands in the thick of it, thick of it with us. That's my God. We love to live on the mountaintops of life, but actually life is full of valleys. And we live more in the valleys than we do on the peaks. And God wants us to learn to live successfully in those valleys where life is lived. I listened to something the other day that was talking about how we have this psychology about our annual holiday. We spend three months getting, looking forward to it because it's going to take us out of the reality of where we live. We can't wait for our annual holiday. We go and do it. We come back and share all the pictures, etc. But actually, life is lived in the real world, in the valleys. And what would happen if that same sense of awe and wonder that little Fifi had when she looked at the shop entered into our real, everyday life, and we started to look through it with the lens of God at all that he's given us and the excitement of life, even in the valleys. We actually learn more in the valleys than we do in the mountaintops. We talked about looking into the mirror of God's word before, and as we take the veil off and wear ourselves, as we look into his word and as we worship, we're transformed into his image, which is the gift that he gives to the world. But the other thing that transforms us is walking with God through the valleys, the in-betweens of life. My advice to my younger self would be, what we do in the in-betweens of life truly matters. It truly matters how we live life right now in the real world. I want to um, finish now because I'm very conscious of time. I said before to you that there was a very few messages I've ever heard on the Easter Saturday. I want to know if any of you have ever heard a message on crowns, other than those who've been to a conference with me. Have you ever learnt or ever been to a message that's told you how to wear a crown, what to do with a crown, and how a crown is earned? I had the privilege, and it follows on from the little promo about New Life Conference coming up in October, um, going to the New Life 2018 conference, and I heard something I've never heard before. It was so refreshing to my soul. It was a message on crowns. And I'm going to just give a bit of a teaser. I would like to unpack it and share it as another message at some stage. But do you know that the crowns that we're told that we earn in life do not come from service? They do not come from activity. They do not come from doing. They actually come from faithfulness, of living faithfully, and it's our attitude in the times when life doesn't make complete sense, but we're willing to hold on to God no matter what. And we're willing to say, God, you are with me. Even if I don't feel it, you are with me. You promised to be with me. Even if the circumstances of my life tell me that you're an unjust God or a harsh God or not so loving as I thought you would be, I will hang on to the character of what I know you to be. Those are the crowns that we earn, that we lay at the feet of Jesus. 
they are the things that we, how we earn it is because of our attitude. It's not to do with activity. It's not to do with service. It's to do with the fact that God honors faithfulness. I'm finishing now by saying, think of the halls of fame of people listed in Hebrews 11. Those people that are listed in Hebrews 11 are not the success stories of life. They're the faithful followers of Jesus who had something in their heart that they wanted to give to the world. They were willing to be transformed into the image of Jesus and actually be able to offer it to him. The halls of fame are earned by faithfulness, not by being so busy and not by activities, but by following Jesus in the valleys as well as on the mountaintops. I want to say to courts and to Daniel, the call is to be authentic, to true to yourself and acknowledge that you are in the process of being transformed into his image. The call is not to service, but to a relationship with God. It is call to a relationship with God. The call is to hang on to God when you find yourself living in the reality of what feels like a perpetual groundhog Saturday between Easter Friday and Easter Sunday. But we know the ending. We know where we're going. We know where the rewards are going to be. And we want to stand here as a church family, as a community of faith and say, we are so excited that you are going through the waters of baptism today. And it's not just a declaration to us. It's here as a community. It's our contribution back to say that we love having you in our midst. Be yourself. Learn how to live in the in-betweens of life. And God knows what's coming next. He knows the future. He knows the outcome. I was thinking of you, Courts. I'll try not to be emotional. I'll grab a glass of water. I've got a little word for both of you. I've watched and I've observed, and I've been watching how you have navigated your way through difficult circumstances of life that didn't you were not your choice they came into your life as a young girl I have watched you navigate your way in your faith to a place where now you stand so firm what I felt God was saying you've entered into a place where you're comfortable to be yourself you are you are shining I saw it as like a a like a football field of where you're standing. And I believe that God is just going to expand all those borders, that where you're standing now is just going to be expanded on all fronts. And God is pleased with you. He loves the way that you've navigated yourself to this place. And as a church, we honour you. To Daniel, I want to say, Daniel, your name is not by, cho- by chance. It's by choice of God. Daniel. Daniel, a man of God who stood out from the rest of his people, all the crowd, and lived a different life. He chose not to eat things and not to drink things when it would be laughed at by those around him. But he chose to be different. He chose to be a Daniel, and you have a Daniel calling on your life. God has called you to shine in your generation. And I just, we just as a church want to say that we honor you for that. We are so thankful for what God's done in your life. 
and for where you're going and who you are, for the choices you've made. We stand here with you too, Daniel. God bless you both.